The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Ah, so I am noticing that I came in feeling... Hold on a second here. don't want to cough into your ear. (laughs) And um, a little rushed, so I'm going to just mm, take my time here. Because the title of what I want to talk to you about in these few minutes is How We Feel is Up to Us. How We Feel is Up to Us. You know, when you pay close attention as you move through the day, you notice the tendency of the mind to um, justify, defend, support what we're thinking. We, we somehow don't want to take responsibility for how we feel. And we say, well, I'm feeling rushed, or I'm feeling sad, or I'm feeling anxious. And then we start giving ourselves all the reasons why those things are true. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, th- this is true. There's, there's a link between desire and clinging that comes out of, this is pleasant, this is unpleasant. You know, we don't always notice that. You know, we may notice, well, I'm feeling this way. But we don't really notice where it comes from because there's too much going on to notice all this. Too much going on. But what we do notice, maybe, is that we want things to be different than they are. You know, nobody gets up in the morning and says, well, today I'm going to create something so that I can look at suffering and, and really understand how suffering works. I mean, nobody gets up wanting that to happen. You know, you get up and the first thing you notice, I'm warm, I'm cold. Maybe you slip your feet into your favorite pair of slippers and trundle off to make that cup of coffee. And it's a really important cup of coffee, that first cup of coffee. It's made with those special beans I just got. I just went to Blue Mountain in San Francisco and got these great beans. It's going to be a great cup of coffee. And maybe I'll heat the milk a little to put in it. That'll make it good. And and, you know, we're doing all of these things to make sure that as we get up in the morning, it's going to be a perfect morning. And we don't really see how much we're creating the possibility for disaster. <laughs> you know, your partner has used up the rest of the beans. Betrayal. <laughs> Betrayal. I am going to be terrible. I was going to be perfect with these, this cup of coffee, and, you know, I need this cup of coffee to be alert, and, and I deserve this cup of coffee because it's going to be a really tough day, and there's this long list of things that we do around a cup of coffee, or maybe tea, or, you know, whatever the thing is you do for yourself in the morning that is largely unconscious, by the way, and we're really good at trying to comfort ourselves. We want things to be pleasant. Why wouldn't we? Who wants things to be unpleasant? What kind of nut would want things to be unpleasant? And so we coddle ourselves around the things that bring us comfort. And we do it in a not-so-obvious way. It's not like we're 
constantly wrapping ourselves in down blankets, although we may do that at a certain time. What we haven't noticed is how that wanting around something comfortable and familiar can possibly lead to, I don't like this. This is unpleasant. This shouldn't be happening. Like that noise shouldn't be happening because I forgot to clip the microphone. The rest of the day, of course, we drink terrible coffee. We go someplace and they provide coffee. We're willing to drink anything. But this cup of coffee is my cup of coffee. Somehow it has specific you know, what happens for me, by the way, is my husband makes me my first cup of coffee most mornings. God forbid he should not make a coffee for me. That feels like betrayal. Where did that come from? <laughs> it's a delightful thing he does for me. And I've come to expect it. Not consciously, like, you know, I demand to have my cup of coffee. It's just, oh, it's missing. And I notice that. There's nothing important about that cup of coffee, but it's a good place to notice how your mind reacts to not seeing things the way you want them. To notice what happens, to notice the way, the tricks that the mind has for justifying that unhappiness. And that unhappiness is not right. Things are not right. So we are vaguely dissatisfied without having something tangible to blame. I mean, you can't really blame that cup of coffee. But there's this kind of vague dissatisfaction. Because we don't notice how addicted we are to the little comforts that we have. We don't notice the effect of craving all the time. We want things to be pleasant. Of course we do. So the other day, I had about six hours alone, which was, for me, quite luxurious. I was looking forward to having this time. I was going to read. I'd come off a period where everything was really busy. I had a lot of company. I had a lot of stuff to do. and um, I I had a lot of things I was doing. It was very busy. And then what I noticed when I had these six hours to myself was that I was kind of vaguely dissatisfied and and a little agitated and pretty soon I turned into a wanting machine you know well I'll just make myself a cup of tea if I make myself a cup of tea I'll feel better or well I'm gonna well I'll just clean this room up a little bit because you know I like to have everything in its place so that I'm not distracted by what has to be done oh you know I really should have I should have transplanted that plant two weeks ago. It's going to die. and Well, I don't really want to do that. So not only did I notice a lot of wanting, but I was noticing a lot of not wanting. I did not want to clean the stove where the fruit pie had spilled over under the bottom and baked the bottom of the stove. I did not want to transplant the plant. I did not want to pick up the stuff in the living room. I did not but I really wanted ice cream, or maybe what I really want is, you know, I just should sit in that chair. The time alone, without a lot of stuff happening, gave me a view of how many things I wanted or did not want. I transplanted that plant, 
and I cleaned that oven. And the whole time I was aware of not wanting to do it. I wasn't being stoic about it. I wasn't saying, well, I'm going to overcome this. I really spent the time noticing what it was like to do something I didn't want to do and just do it. And it was done before you know, I got to the end of that examination. Just being with that discomfort, noticing the discomfort of that day, noticing the wanting and the not wanting that came into this space that I left free. I did not read the book to my great sadness. I had about 20 minutes left by the time I did all of this stuff before my husband came home and the book was out the window. But it was really interesting to watch what it was like to be with uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable and to not allow myself to fix it. You know, it's, it's not like I was denying it. It was more like I was just watching discomfort. This is what discomfort feels like. This is, just, this is really uncomfortable. Oh, look at that feeling. Really restless. Wow. I want ice cream. No, it's really just restlessness. Maybe if I baked cookies. Oh, you'd have to clean the stove first. (laughs) Listening to my mind go through all of these things, the mind really wanted to fix this discomfort. It has a very strong habit to want to comfort discomfort. Really interesting. And one of the most interesting things was to discover that I got to the end of the day mostly hanging out with discomfort, and it was okay. It was actually okay. I didn't feel like I had denied myself or um, that I was particularly virtuous. I wasn't virtuous. I really did not want to clean that stove. You know, a truly virtuous person would have wanted to clean the stove, I'm sure. What we do when something is uncomfortable is we judge it. I shouldn't feel this way about it. They shouldn't be doing that. There's lots of judgment. We try to fix. We become a victim. This is not my fault. Oh, why doesn't anybody else ever do anything around here? We get angry. I'm uncomfortable because that guy is driving way too slow. I'm going to be late. It's all his fault. We fantasize about a future where there are no other cars on the road. Or maybe, maybe I have a vertical lift-off vehicle and I fly over the traffic. You know, that will be perfect. We want to fix. We fantasize. We have all these, these ways of dealing with discomfort instead of just saying, well, this is uncomfortable. So I've been kind of practicing with that. After this day of having it sort of thrust into my attention. I've been practicing with, oh, what is this? Am I comfortable or uncomfortable? Is this pleasant or unpleasant? What am, am I trying to do something about it? Or can I just notice that this is how it is? Because when I notice that this is how it is, that it isn't something that has to be fixed, I don't go to anxiety and sadness and depression and all the things that I could be going to. 
I don't go there because I just see it. I just see it and say, wow, this is uncomfortable. It's very useful to see what craving things to be different feels like so that you notice it. Notice the leaning in. Notice the agitation. If you're feeling agitated, there's something you want that is different than it is. At least know that. I want this to be different. I see that I want it to be different. It's okay that you want it to be different. But how long are you going to beat yourself up over the head with it? Ah, Notice the activity, the mental activity. And then, then discover that ease, not the comfort, the ease that comes with allowing discomfort to be there. When you, when you stop making yourself try to fix the present, you realize how much tension is created in your life from trying to fix what is not the way we want it to be. Doesn't mean that you become apathetic about life at all. If you didn't care about it, it wouldn't be uncomfortable. <laughs> oh. Huh. Notice the steadiness of mind that comes with acknowledging this is how it is. There is some steadiness there. There's a moment of saying, ah, this is how it is. It's like taping a, taking a deep breath and letting go. And one thing I've noticed in the last four or five days since I started this experiment... <laughs> was how often I take a deep breath and let it go. Well, that's interesting. I wasn't aware I did that. And maybe I didn't before, I don't know, but that's what I'm noticing now. Oh. And yesterday I was driving in horrible traffic and my husband was with me and he was saying, well, maybe you ought to take a different method. Let's, let's take Highway 1 over to the coast and it'll be much more beautiful. And I'm just, well, you know... We'll just drive home, okay? <laughs> and it was interesting to find myself not having to think all the time about, well, maybe if I took a different route, and maybe I could make this more pleasant. Or, all of that energy can just, it's up there for something else. So. <sighs> Expectations, familiar ideas, comfort can be delightful. Don't let it run your life. Let it be a plus. Learn that discomfort can also bring ease when you just allow it to be true. May you know the freedom of contentment. The freedom of contentment. Contentment for being in sync with how things are. May the blessings of seeing clearly bring you joy. Thank you. May you 